0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Timothy Lin, and this is Egalist Leadership Training. I focus on helping frontline and middle managers build better relationships with their team members and hope to bring more meaning and authenticity into the workplace. So I recently read Arthur C. Brooks' article in The Atlantic, and I really loved it and was inspired to write about it. Um, Both to see what my own reverse bucket list would be, um, but also to see where the intersections with egoless leadership training are, because the article he writes, How to Want Less, describes the insatiable appetite of the ego without specifically naming it. And this is a topic that I'm deeply passionate about. and what egoless leadership training is really centered on and founded on. Uh, So if you haven't read the article, it's a really poignant and succinct illustration of how humanity as a whole suffers by seeking to be satisfied with external things. So Brooks ultimately makes the point that to find true satisfaction, we need to shift from looking outside of ourselves and want less. So turning inward and being more present and being less drawn to um, desires on the outside. This isn't really a new concept, but uh, I think as a whole, our society and particularly the work culture is still entrenched in thinking that we need to acquire accolades, titles, external validation to be satisfied or feel complete somehow. So in this substack, I think it's most appropriate to respond to key points that Brooks makes and examine them from the standpoint of the ego and some of the things that we study in egoist leadership training. So the question of of satisfaction, he talks about in this quote. So satisfaction, I told my daughter, is the greatest paradox of human life. We crave it, we believe we can get it, we glimpse it, and maybe even experience it for a brief moment, and then it vanishes. But we never give up on our quest to get and hold on to it. So, yes, I think this is true. Satisfaction is the greatest paradox of human life. And the question that immediately jumps out for me is who is the we he's talking about here? so this is taken for granted most of the time but until we discern that there's in fact an ego identity and also a truer more authentic natural self through which life is experienced there's a tendency to fall into the incessant cycle of suffering that's literally just built into the ego so in other words when we say we or i this can mean different things. Uh, from the standpoint of the ego, if we're saying I and we're identified with the ego, it believes that we can get satisfaction on the outside. And from the standpoint of true nature, we already have this deep satisfaction in simply being. So a little history here or a little psychology lesson. the Ego is inherently built on a sense of deficiency. And in ancient wisdom and spiritual teachings, the ego forms as a result of separation from our true nature, from who we really are. So it's, in other words, the result of the fall from Eden, if we're going to take a more Christian standpoint to it, where everything was provided, inherent satisfaction was humanity's birthright, And then there was some disconnection to that somehow. And usually in psychological terms, it's some kind of rift or lack of holding environment. So something happened in our development where we somehow lost contact with ourselves. And this can happen in a whole number of different ways. So the ego, instead of intrinsically knowing its nature starts to seek to fill that gap with things on the outside, seeks to control, seeks to want, seeks to have things a certain way. And of course, our material world is full of things to do that. Uh, And this keeps the ego's attention continually on external things, because focusing on the internal would basically bring about that original experience of separation from our true nature, which is incredibly painful. It's not something that we wanna go through again. So this brings us to another quote in the article where Brooks writes, "'If you base your sense of self-worth on success, money, power, prestige, you will run from victory to victory, initially to keep feeling good, and then to avoid feeling awful. Um, I see this time and time again in our work culture, and I think most of us can probably identify with that ceaseless drive for the next promotion, the next title, the next success. In the new business world, it was always the next win. Um, And we actually didn't take a whole lot of time to celebrate the wins that we did have. So satisfaction in itself is a pretty broad term, and um, Brooks writes really comprehensively on the biochemistry of homeostasis and neurobiology and our ancestry and and why this is all so hardwired into us, Um, and that really talks about the physical side of dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction, this dynamic that we have with it. Um, But from the ego's perspective, it's important to recognize that satisfaction is this never-ending goal. And each ego personality has a different thing that it's lost. A sense of worth, a sense of power, a sense of value, of mattering, um, of being loved, a sense of security, a sense of unique identity, and also a sense of intrinsic pleasure or contentment. And I think this last one is what it seems like Brooks is honing in on because from the conventional point of view, we generally think that being happy is about feeling good versus feeling bad. And this is where uh, social media and our technology seems to be amplified even more. So dopamine um, dopamine hits make us feel good, um, but only temporarily. And what Brooks rightly points toward is getting off that cycle. So this hedonistic treadmill is one of the you know, endless desires that are tied to this pleasure principle. And that's often rooted in our kind of animal nature and our biology um, and tied to survival, which is why it's so hard for us to back off from it. Um, so clearly this the endless hits of dopamine Creating the cycle of feeling pretty good, then feeling bad, and then needing more dopamine, it's not bringing anyone lasting happiness. But the real issue here is that nobody knows that most of us have simply over-identified with this cycle and with the ego. So we generally don't believe that there's anything more to life and to ourselves than fulfilling these desires um, and trying to find satisfaction. So this brings me to another point that I think is really important and to sort of preface this, I'm gonna uh, read this quote from the article. Uh, Brooks writes, the insatiable goal to acquire more, succeed conspicuously and be as attractive as possible leads us to objectify one another and even ourselves. And when people see themselves as little more than their attractive bodies, jobs, or bank accounts, it brings great suffering. So I'm just going to take a moment to pause there because I think that's really important. And this inability to experience or contact anything beyond our physical and emotional senses brings about great suffering. So... Why does this happen? And I'm sure there's a host of science out there looking at the neurobiology of this all, but ancient wisdom teachings point to the ego becoming more and more structured and rigid the more we identify with it. So remember the ego is inherently deficient in its nature. It's lost connection with true power, true pleasure, true meaning, true love, true connection. Whereas a real authentic nature free of the ego is complete and fully alive with all of these essential aspects. So in other words, the ceaseless wheel of suffering is here and continues to be here because we've lost contact with our soul. And this is actually why Brooks's solution in the article is in the realm of Thomas Aquinas, Buddha, the Tao Te Ching, Thich Nhat Han, the mystic Julian of Norwich. Uh, so it's interesting that he's going from the scientific explanation of why we're never satisfied and shifting to this realm of spirituality. Um, and it's true. Uh, I think a lot of spiritual traditions would say this, that true satisfaction, true pleasure resides with the soul because it's inherent to the soul's nature and being to be satisfied. Um, So, you know, I really, really appreciate Brooks's illustration of this shift. And so the quote here is, is kind of funny because his dot. Da- he's having this conversation with his daughter, and he explains all of this stuff. And his daughter then says, "So what you're saying is that the secret to satisfaction is simple. I just have to go against several millions of years of evolutionary biology plus the entirety of modern culture, and I'll be all set." Um, so you know what's what's here and what I think is really important what I am so passionate about is that there is an evolution I think to our humanity and I really appreciate Brooks's illustration uh, and his depiction of the shift and he illustrates it with this um, analogy of moving from prince to sage so somebody who has everything to um, somebody who has nothing but is deeply satisfied um, that's the story of the Buddha, and he lists a couple of other stories in the article. Um, because it's the same shift that we make when we go from identifying as ego to identifying as soul. And this shift requires a turning inward instead of falling into the trap of continually seeking fulfillment on the outside. So the inward turn is, is radical, but ultimately fulfilling because it brings the soul online and it gives us access to the inherent happiness that is intimately a part of who we are. I think this is so, so important. It's so radical in a way because of where we are as a society and where we've gotten to. And there's explanations for this of the essential kind of um, wearing away and diminishment of the soul through the centuries and until now we're here. We're, we're in a sense, very materialistic in our worldview. Um, so this is where my own reverse bucket list comes in because I did want to be uh, a little reflective about this, and I was really... Um, moved by uh, Brooks's article. And um, for a little background for those of you who don't know me, I left my old position in the agency world back in October. um, And it's been four or five months since that. And I've had a chance to really reflect through this article on what was actually keeping me there. Why was I so unhappy? you know, what were the dynamics there? And I saw that I was really attached to these categories of unreachable fulfillment that Brooks outlined. So he talks about money, obviously. So clearly I was attached to salary and benefits. I have two young kids. There's some survival mechanisms in there built in. Um, He talks about power as a category. So seeing my attachment to my seniority at the agency the stature and the reputation that I had built there over you know 10 years and that feeling satisfying but never deeply satisfying you know satisfying that in the sense that it was dependent on how people viewed me um, pleasure was a category obviously that Brooks outlines here um, so obviously agency world you know we're Doing client dinners, hotels, you know, wine, vacation. The salary can afford exclusive club memberships, these kind of things. And for me, it was less about these things um, and more about the pleasure of, I guess, not having to worry about like whether or not I can pay for that or, or have it. Um, but like Brooks says, it was never enough. It was never satisfying. It, it was always the next thing that we had to look for, the next kind of dopamine hit, right? Um, And then the last category that he talks about is honor. And so I think this is probably the biggest one in the work culture is being attached to those around me, seeing me as valuable, seeing me as competent and respected. Um, And even within my own family that there's a sense of pride to be able to more than adequately support my family. Um, Even though I wasn't a very good father uh, during this time and I was utterly miserable. Um, so, of course, following all of that is the reverse bucket list. <laughs> so I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end with that. These are all the things that I like let go of that I decided to uh, actually detach myself from. And surprisingly, since quitting my job, I've I've let go of most of these categories and found that life um, is much more satisfying, albeit you know less glamorous or quote-unquote pleasure-filled. So a couple of I think really important things and hopefully inspiring things is that I've had the time and space to practice my spirituality more fully and it's brought me closer and closer to a fuller sense of my own being and presence and in fact I've committed to deeper work in this arena and and really found that my soul is supported with more contemplation and learning. It's just something that I really love and something that brings me alive. So I get a lot more time to do that. Um, I spend at least a half day per day with my kids who are now four and a half and two years old. Um, And even in this, this this is real practice (laughs) to mindfulness and presence because there's diaper changes, tantrums, fights, butt wiping, you know, constant messes. But if I'd been working, I would have missed all of it and I would have missed them and I would have missed these tiny moments. Um, You know, the other day, these fleeting two moments when they both started singing this little light of mine with a little improv dance number, it just was excruciatingly cute and um, almost painful um, in that sense of like just my heart exploding. Um, most nights I meditate with my wife for 15 and 20 minutes after the kids go down. Um, and then we allow each other to have a dedicated 10 or 15 minutes to talk without interruption. So without the other person commenting or, you know, butting in, it's just a way for us to do active listening with each other. Um, and it's a way for us to come back to ourselves and process the day Um, But also for us to explore more deeply our connection and relationship and where we might have misunderstandings with each other and we talk through those things. And when I was working nonstop, you know, needing to work at night, there was no time or space to have any of that. Um, I definitely have more time for friends now, so I, I talk to them more regularly. I'm the one who's initiating conversations a lot of the time. Um, but it's not just about the amount of time that I'm talking to them on the phone, it's uh, the quality of my own presence. So before I was so rushed and stressed and um, coming from this really tight place, and uh, these days I'm definitely more calm and available for my relationships. Um, and lastly, of course, the work that I'm doing now is so much more meaningful to me, I can't think of anything that I'd rather be doing than to support others in making this shift from ego to being, um, because I know this freedom and satisfaction of being in contact with the soul, and it's really deeply, deeply profound. Um, and I have to admit, it wasn't until writing this that um, I realized how deeply satisfying this life that I have now is. Um, there are still familiar roots that pull on me. Um, You know, sometimes some anxiety gets shaken up about needing to make more money or saving for retirement or getting out of the corporate game for too long. Um, But when I come back to the present moment and recognize these moments that brooks highlights in the article so like watching a flower bloom moments he gets to see when his daughter sends him pictures like these tiny moments not the big accomplishments or the accolades or the promotions um i see that my life now is filled with them Um, and maybe they were filled with them before and i just wasn't seeing it because i was stuck in this endless cycle of you know, getting the next project done and writing these emails and winning the next pitch. Um, And I couldn't, I don't think I could have said that before that that I was present to all of these little moments. And so I I deeply believe that this satisfaction and this deep contentment is something that everyone can have and every corner of society can have it, including work, Um, but it starts by turning inward. And at least considering the possibility that seeking satisfaction on the outside is really a hopeless ego endeavor. And the truth is that by simply contacting ourselves in a real way, we realize that satisfaction has always been here. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on EgoList Leadership Training, please visit my website at www.egolistleaders.com. You'll find a host of offerings for both individuals as well as team and corporate trainings. If you have a question, please feel free to drop me a note at timothy at egolistleaders.com or leave a comment. Thank you. And have an awesome day.